Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Amen. Come in there. Thankful that Jesus came looking for you. Anybody? I don't know, maybe you were a good sinner. Maybe you were a good person, but Jesus came looking for me. Amen. Aren't you glad that He was a good shepherd? Came looking for that one that was lost. Amen. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I was that one that was lost? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He came looking for me. He was the good Samaritan that poured in the wine and the oil in my heart, in my life. Amen. Look at somebody and say, Jesus did it. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? You may be seated. We're so thankful for you being here today, but how many can just say, this morning I just woke up and I was just so thankful for the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Amen. You're healed, we're saved, we're delivered, set free by the power of God, and we've been given a mandate and a message. Amen. That How many know if Jesus did it for you, He can do it for anybody? I don't know, a couple people convinced of that, and I think we need to live like that. We need to live like that, that, that you know, hey, listen, if Jesus did it for, for a hard case like me, He can do it for anybody. Amen. And aren't you glad that He can do it for anybody? Aren't you glad that He died, that everybody can know Him, that everybody can come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Amen. That He saves, He heals, and delivers because before you knew Him, He loved you. Amen. He died for you when you were still in your sins, the Bible says in Romans. Aren't you glad? Amen for that. And so... I think we just owe the Lord some praise. I think we owe the Lord some gratitude today. I think we just owe the Lord and, and you know, our praise in our lives. And so it's good to be in the house of the Lord where we praise God for His goodness, for what He's done and who He is. And we, we're just surrounded by people that are like-minded. Amen? Come on. Like-minded. That, man, we're, none of us here deserve to be here today. But because of His richness, of His grace, the Bible says, amen, that He loved us and gave Himself for us, we're here today. And you know, when things aren't going so well, you just need to remind yourself, God loves me. Man, I was known, I was loved and pursued by God long before I knew Him, and He still loves me. Amen? How many, you might be going through a hard time, but sometimes you just need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Think about His cross. Think about the blood of Jesus, and I guarantee you won't be miserable too long. Amen? So, God bless you for joining us online today. And uh, you know, we're just going to go into the Word a little bit and just to encourage you. Hopefully that what anything we do or say today has uh, an impact in your life and your heart. And I don't know if you know Jesus Christ today, if you know and much about God, but we hope that through what we do or what we say, someone will, will come and search for the Lord and say, I want to know Jesus and I want the Lord to touch me. Aren't you glad that Jesus reached down and touched us? You know, we were like that woman that didn't deserve to be touched, that came before Jesus, and we fell down, and they said, how can Jesus touch her? How many of you know that's what a lot of people said about you? How can Jesus touch them? How can, how can Jesus care about them? Why aren't you glad that Jesus reached down, amen, and he touched us, amen, hallelujah. And so David said that he brought me out of the miry clay. He put my feet on a, a firm foundation today, so we're excited about that. Well, I don't know if you're looking for bells and whistles. I'm just excited about the Lord today. Amen. Wanted to celebrate the Lord, but uh, wanted to share something today. And um, as we, before we get into the uh, holidays, really the next three weeks, we're just going to be really just sharing kind of, uh, we would call them just basic message, foundational teachings or evangelistic sermons, whatever you want to say, just on, on how powerful the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is. And I, again, I, I just want us to be a church that we never lose sight of that, that we always have that flavor among us. 
that we don't get to the place, well, that's old school or that's old hat. How many know we, we, when you think about how what Jesus did for you, they're just something that bubbles up on the inside. How many know it keeps you alive, doesn't it? keeps you fresh, keeps you young spiritually, and you just kind of keep your mind on, man, Lord, thank you for what you did at the cross. Thank you for the, the resurrection power that we have through Jesus. And so we want to encourage you, um, you know, to bring somebody. It's a great time. This is when people come out, come to church for the first time maybe this year or in their life. Uh, darken the doorstep of the church, as they say, is around Easter. So we want to just take, you know, put that out there that you consider that uh, when your friends or neighbors. And that's a great time to invite people because everybody feels like they need to go to church on Easter and, uh, or Christmas. And so they say that that's the two times that people go to church. And then the third one is Mother's Day because their mom said they had to. But uh, anyway, so we want to encourage you to do that. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. I want to talk to you this morning real quick about building the church. Building the church. Let's read the scripture together. I'm going to read out of the NIV. And um, we're going to be having a lot of scripture today on, on the PowerPoint. But uh, most of my believe is either King James or New King James. So um, this one in, in verse 1. This translation says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Amen. This morning, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you so much, Lord, that we're here today. Thank you for, Lord, life and life more abundantly in Jesus. Lord, nothing can be going right in our lives, but, Lord, everything is right in eternity with Jesus. And I, I, I pray, Lord, that we would just set our eyes, Lord, on what's important today. Put our eyes on not just all the things that we're going through and around us and all the things that are happening in our culture, but, Lord, that we would put our, our eyes on the source today, which is Jesus Christ. We pray you would bless your word and us that hear it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Talking about building the church. You know, I believe that the church needs to be a secure and healthy place that we can grow. The church is something that God has designed that is constantly growing but needs to be built, that needs to be structured, that needs to have order in it so that it can continue to grow. And I believe that the church is being built. The Bible says that Jesus himself said that he would build the church. Aren't you glad that Jesus is building the church? But you know, he's using us, isn't he? He's using tools and he's using his word through us that we are building his church. We are, Lord, uh, kind of, the Lord is kind of letting us know in this day that we need, we need builders in this day, in this hour. And we need to know that we need to build the church. The church is the body. We know that, the body of Christ, which is the body of Jesus. But how many know the church is people? And people need to be built. We need to be built, don't we? And so Jesus, when he said, I'm building the church, he knew what he's talking about. Wasn't talking about a tabernacle, a temple, or a, a, a structure, a physical structure. He was talking about people. How many can lift your hand to heaven and said, God's building, amen, today, and using me to do it. And so I believe that the church is being built today through us. And uh, so God does that through a couple things, the Bible says, through His Word, but also through the gifts, through the spiritual gifts that He's given. He builds the church. He builds the church. And so He gives gifts according to a couple things. He gives gifts according to His grace. He gives gifts according to uh, your faith. And He gives gifts according to the needs around us. Because He wants the church to be strong. 
He wants the church to be built. And so, you know, people can't sit around and say, well, I have nothing to do. God doesn't have anything for me to do. He wants you to build His church. You're a part of the church, and He wants you to build, amen, a strong church in the earth. And so I just want to bring out a couple things today in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about building the church. I believe that Paul gave us some mandates here, and I want to bring those out. Four things. Number one, he gives about the purpose of the gifts and building the church through the gifts. And then he talks about the responsibility of the gifts. He also talks about the guidelines of the gifts. And then he talks about the impact of the gifts. There's only one or two that I'm going to really focus on today. So he talks about the purpose, the responsibility, the guidelines, and the impact of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus is building the church? Amen. And so we're part of that. And so we're going to talk about building the church today. The number one thing, number one purpose that we see, and right here he mentions it a couple times, the very last word is edification, but three, out of the, three times out of five verses, in the first five verses of 1 Corinthians 14, he uses the word edification. So we know that the very first thing, the most important thing, the number one thing about the gifts of the Spirit is to edify the church, is to build up the church, which is other people, to build up the church, to edify. And so, you know, when you're edified or you're built up, that means you're encouraged. How many need encouragement today? Yes, we do. That's why we come together. That's why we, we, uh, we share as much as we can, because we need encouraging. Encouragement means to put courage in. How many know we need courage in this hour? Amen. So we need encouraging. So how do we do that? Well, we hear the word. We, we do this. No, we do that with one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to edify one another. And we can do that through the gifts of the Spirit. So the number one thing and the number one purpose, I believe, for the gifts is to edify. This is what he says. For edification or building up of the church. How many believe that Jesus is building the church? We said that before. Okay, we believe that. Well, how's he doing it? He's doing it through me. Well, how's he doing it through me? He's doing it through the gifts of the Spirit. He's doing it through the gifts that he's given us. And so he's doing that to build up the body or to strengthen the body of Christ in the earth. That's one of the things. How many believe? I believe that Jesus wants a strong church. A strong church. If you look in 1 Corinthians uh, here in 14, look in verse 12. He says this, he says, Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those gifts that build up the church. Excel in the gifts that build up the church. Not yourself, not your personality, not your name. Build up the church. He said excel. And then in verse 26, the second half of 26, he said, Let all things be done for edification. For the building up, the process of building the church. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about being part of the body of Christ. And then 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about how we can do that, how we're part of it, how the body can become stronger. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, when the Bible says that God gave what we call the, the five-fold ministry or the gifts in the church, one of those are a prophet. And he said it was given for the edifying of the body, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body. Let me just stop here and just say this quick about prophecy. You've got to understand that not all prophecy is positive. Hello. But not all prophecy is judgment, is it? Is that right? So in, now in America, we've got this thing. We demand positive results. We demand positive outcomes, positive, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of, a, uh, um, you know, affirmation from people. We, we, we expect this. We actually demand that we have our stories have positive endings. We have positive results, positive reports, positive. Come on, we don't want negative. We want positive, don't we? 
And in this nation, we demand positive. But how many know when God speaks, it's not always positive? Right? And we see that in all, all through the Bible. I'm not going to get into that. And Daniel, Daniel gave a very positive prophecy. He said, you're going to be in captivity more years than you think you are. And everybody said, yay. All right? Jesus gave prophecy about Jerusalem, how it would be destroyed. John on the island of Patmos saw what God was doing. It wasn't all positive. But how many know all things work together of the good that those that love God, right? God works things out for His pleasure, for His will and His intentions. And so we see that. I just had to put that in about prophecy because everybody wants to hear the good stuff. Anyways, but it says this, that if we're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, we need to excel in the ones that build up the church. He opens up by saying, desire spiritual gifts. He didn't say desire spiritual gifts for yourself. He said that we need to desire. Why? Why should we desire spiritual gifts? Because I want to show everybody I can heal. I want to show everybody I know the future. I want to show everybody I know their past. No. He said that you need to have a heart to build the church. If you have a heart to build the church, you'll want to desire spiritual gifts. Because spiritual gifts build the church. Does that make sense? So, so if you desire a spiritual gift, that must mean you really desire building the church. You want to see others blessed. You want to see others grow in their faith. You want to see others encouraged today, right? That's what it must mean. That, that's what it means. So if I desire spiritual gifts, we kind of separate this and look at this as a very, in a very individualistic, in a very selfish way, that I want to run after this gift of prophecy because I want to get so good at prophesying that I can have my own ministry. How many know that's what he's talking about? That your heart needs to be where Jesus' heart is, as that is to build the church. So in other words, I want to desire spiritual gifts so that the church can become stronger. So that Christians around me can become stronger than I am. Is that right? That's why we desire spiritual gifts. We don't desire spiritual gifts because, you know, it, it's, oh, well, this is just part of Christianity and I've got to do this and I've got to... How many know gifts are not apps? <laughs> Gifts take time. They develop over time. You walk in it. It's like a talent. You develop it. You Over time, you walk in it. You learn about it. Is that right? Amen. And so I believe that we need to have that focus and understand that the purpose of spiritual gifts is for the strengthening of the church, which is people. And so if you love people, if you want to encourage people, someone said, well, that's not my gift. Well, you better... Let that be your gift real quick. Because every one of us need to build up each other in the faith. How many know if you water others, you yourself will be watered? You reap what you sow. If you're encouraging others, how many know you will be encouraged? So many times we think, well, I need to be encouraged today. I need to read that scripture that, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety today. I need to read that. No. How many know the Bible says we need to minister to one another? As you minister to others, you yourself will be ministered to. And so that's how it works. And so it's really an awesome principle. But we've got to have the desire to see the church be made stronger. We can't just come to church on Sundays and be satisfied with hearing a message and leaving and saying, I am a religious person. How many know we've got to have a desire to see the church be stronger? And we say if the church isn't stronger, it's the worship team's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's the leadership's fault. No, all of us are responsible for building the church. And so if this church or the church is a global church is going to get stronger, it's up to me, isn't it? It's up to you, isn't it? We have to build the church. Amen. Hallelujah. So I made that clear. Anyways, so let's get into some dynamics about 
the, the purpose, and I really saw this real clear as I read this in 1 Corinthians 14. There's just three things I want to share with you about the dynamics of, in the purpose of building the church. Number one, growth. There's growth when we build the church. This is what it's all about. Jesus said that I'm building the church. He said it, not, not just making the church stronger, uh, but there's something that happens when we build the church, and that is there is growth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 write this down, says that like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, and he talks about the Word of God, so that you may grow up in your salvation. Five times in the New Testament, he talks about growing in your faith, growing in your salvation, grow up. How many know in Second P- Peter, just another uh, uh, book over, Peter says this again. He says in verse uh, 18 of chapter 3, grow in grace and knowledge. How many know it's important to grow in knowledge? But we don't just grow in a head knowledge, we grow in heart knowledge. That's what he's talking about. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Grow in the knowledge of His grace. Understand what His grace is all about. Why He saved you and what God has for you in your life. And so he said, grow in uh, grace and knowledge. But he also makes this point, Peter also makes this point, that we're to grow in knowledge and excel in love. That's all through the Bible. See, growing in the Lord, as he says, comes by the Word of God. How many know you can't grow up in God without the Word of God? It's the milk. That's what he says. So we need the Word of God. Many think that you can just grow up in God by just coming to church and hearing sermon after sermon after sermon. That's good, but the Word of God causes growth in your life. And so God is after growth. How many believe God's after growth? He wants you to grow. That's his intention. He doesn't want you to just be a number. He doesn't want you to just sit like a bump on a dill pickle. He wants you to grow. Amen. He wants you to, to grow in your, in your faith. And you know, one of the things I've learned about the Lord when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit is God is not a dysfunctional Father. He doesn't just give you gifts to show you His love. How many know a father that loves his children only by giving them gifts will have a dysfunctional relationship? Amen? How many know, believe that God would rather do something in you than for you? He's concerned about what's happening in me. That's why he allows me to go through tests longer than I want to be there. Because he said something's got to happen in you before I can do something for you. So many of us want him to do something for us. Do this for me. Do this for me. And then he says, you know what? I want to do something in you, so I'm going to take you this way. That's why the children of Israel had to go 40 years on an 11-day journey because God wanted to do something in them. God had to get the complaining out of them. God had to get the taste of garlic out of them. Right? The worship of Egypt. God had to get it. We got it. All right. So we need to do that. So God wants to do something in us rather than just for us. And so one of the things that's important to understand is that it's, it's, we have to be growing individually. We become individually whole. That's what the word salvation means. We're growing up in our faith so that the body can be whole. See, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the body. So whatever affects me or however I act and I respond affects the whole body. Is that right? How many know right now something happens in the church and it affects the whole body, doesn't it? The Bible says we're, we're many members, but we're one body, and so it affects us. And so, so if I'm growing up holy and becoming holy in my faith and growing in my faith, then that is a way that the church can become, become whole, because I am. And I just want to point this out, that a lot of people see brokenness in the church. They see a lot of brokenness in the church. But can I just tell you, brokenness in the church comes from broken people. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with His church. There's nothing wrong with the way He designed it, is there? There's nothing wrong with the Bible, is there? Nothing. It's perfect. It's us that He has to work with. 
Everything about the Lord is perfect. And then we come on the scene, it doesn't, it's not perfect anymore. <laughs> it gets broken. And so a lot of people said there's broken. Well, that becomes, that's from broken people. That's from bo- broken situations. That's from, from relationships, isn't it? But how many know the more I work on really being whole in the Lord in my life, in my heart, the more the church can be whole. Is that right? See, a lot of you don't fe- think that you really impact the church. But you've got to understand how much you impact the church. You don't think, you think, but just me coming Sunday doesn't really make a big impact. It makes a huge impact. Is that right? And then if you step out and encourage other people and move in your gifts and desire spiritual gifts, man, that really makes an impact in the church. And so your life makes a huge impact in the church. Many of you feel like you're passed over, you're not seen, and you don't have to be seen and recognized for God to love you and God to use you. Is anybody listening? Amen. All right, so that's growth. And then the second thing is maturity. Maturity. In verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says us, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice or evil, be like kids, be babies. But in understanding of the gifts, be mature. How many know we need to be mature in the things of God and immature in the things of the world? That's what he says. Be babies in evil or malice, but be mature in the things of the Lord or in the gifts. Understanding of the gifts. So maturity. Spiritually gifted, now if you're spiritually gifted, that does not make you emotionally mature. Amen. I just, I really saw this this week. Because you can be spiritually trained and not emotionally developed. And I've seen it a hundred times where people are so gifted, so trained spiritually, so what we would consider spiritually mature, but emotionally bankrupt where they can't keep a marriage together, where they don't love their wife, where they're not good with money. Come on. But they have this amazing gift. But nobody likes to be around them. They're hard to work around. They're nasty to other people. They hate their neighbors. They're not compassionate. I mean, no, you can be spiritually mature and not emotionally mature. But let me just say this. The two can never be separate. The two have got to come together. That's why as much as you're working on being spiritually gifted, you need to become emotionally healthy. Is that right? Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on, because there's a lot of people that could stand up and they could have the gift of healing and have hate in their heart. Is that right? So I believe that the two need to be together. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, he says this. This is why he gave these gifts of, to the church, the pastors, evangelists, pastors, prophets, and teachers. He said, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, that's maturity, a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is maturity. That's God's plan, isn't it? Amen. God's plan. So we can't separate being spiritual and being emotional maturity. We can't do that because it, really the two go hand in hand. And, you know, again, you, you, you just know people like this, don't you? You know people are gifted in business or gifted in this and gifted in talented, but they really are emotional wrecks. <laughs> they got to get it together. So, listen, this is why it's important that we're led, number one, in the Word of God. Because how many know the Word of God brings healing and wholeness? That's what salvation means, wholeness. It brings wholeness and healing. But let me just say this about the gifts, and I wanna, I'm going to say this and then explain it because I don't know if it makes sense, but to me, I see it. The gifts of the Spirit are cheap to God, but character is expensive. Why? Why do I say that? Oh, that's so blasphemous. That's disrespectful. No, it's true because the Bible says that every one of us have been given gifts. 
God just gives them out freely, the Bible says, to whoever, according to, I mean, some people, just tons of them, he just boom, 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 come on, is that right? The Bible says that we all have gifts, he gives them freely, but how many know it takes a man or a woman of maturity to be mature, to have character? It's expensive, it will cost you something. It takes sacrifice. It takes time. It takes pay. Come on. It takes death to self, doesn't it? It's expensive. Isn't character expensive? And yet God really values character over the gifts. Because in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is this chapter called 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about love. That if you can have all kinds of prophecies and mysteries and all kinds of stuff, but if you don't have character, it doesn't mean much. I hope that's okay. So do you understand what I mean? They're, they're a dime a dozen to God. We, we get a gift of healing and we think that's so amazing. God's like, eh. I mean, we prophesy like over 200 people the word of the Lord for three, three hours straight. And God's like, eh. But man, we begin to show love to other people and forgiveness. And God says, hmm, I like that. That's what I like. That's what it's all about right there. Now, I'm not putting disrespect in the gifts. I'm not, but, but we got to put them in place, don't we? we got to put it in order, don't we? Amen? Because how many of us have been disappointed by somebody that's really gifted, and yet their character wasn't there? Some of you have walked, didn't walk with the Lord, and you ran from God, and you were hurt because of it. Amen? All right, let's, let's move on. So that's what I always like to think about the gifts. So I always say, God, I want to desire the gifts, but I want to desire the giver. I want, I, I want to desire the anointing, but I want to desire the anointer more. Because he's the one that's going to change me. He's the one that's going to keep me in, in perspective and in line. All right. So I believe that one of the things I've noticed that there are people who, who want to move in the spirit or say they're in the spirit, but don't reflect the spirit life. And so it's important that we really, really have this perspective and understand that it's about growth, but it's about maturity. It really is. And the gifts should lead you to a place of maturity, not a place of destruction or a place of hurting other people. And there's some myths that come with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, some of the myths that I thought about were, you know, that I hear and, and I've known is they'll just make me closer to God. The gifts of the Spirit will make me closer to God. They'll make me better than other people. They'll give me the respect that I deserve. They'll make me a whole person. How many know the gifts of the Spirit will not make you a whole person? Walking according to God's Word will make you a whole person. But the gifts of the Spirit will build the church. <laughs> Amen. But you as a whole person will build it even more. So that's my point. And so I just wanted to say this, is that the problem is that as we get, get along this mentality, and, and, and it really is a wrong works mentality, that if I just do enough, then this. If I just do this, then this. But how many know you don't have to... You know, really, again, we've said it over and over, is that we don't do ministry so the Father will love you. We do ministry because God loves us. And see, if we have that mentality, what happens, the problem is, is that you'll start to use people to gain love instead of serving people to give love. And that's not good, is it? That's when we're unhealthy. That's when we become emotionally bankrupt. That's when we find ourselves trying to produce something that's really not there. And so I want to encourage you to, to be mature about it. And to say, Lord, I desire the gifts, but I also desire the character of Christ that comes with the gift. How many know Jesus was probably the most gifted person that we've ever heard of or seen in our lives? Wasn't he? The greatest evangelist, the greatest healer. I mean, he raised people from the dead. And he, I mean, he just touched their casket and they got out. 
of the casket. Come on, Jesus was a miracle. But, but you know something about Jesus? One of the things the Bible says is that he was so popular at one time, he was so famous that he couldn't even hardly walk down the street. That's what the Bible says. And yet the Bible says he turned from that crowd, he walked away from the crowd because he knew what was in the heart of men. How do we know Jesus was smart? All right, so let's... And the third thing is, is not just growth, maturity, but also we see ministry. We see ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, again, I'm going to be going back and forth to this. It says that God has given the ministries into the church or the gifts of the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ. That is the work of the ministry for everybody. For everybody. How many believe you're called by God? Let me see your hand. You're called by the Lord. How many believe that you have a ministry? Half people. All right. We're going to get it. That's why we're teaching on. All right. But that's why we're here. That's why there's leaders in the church. That's why we have these things. Because we are developing, amen, right, the gifts and the callings of God for the work of the ministry. There is ministry that God wants us to walk in. And so that's part of building the church. Coming into your ministry that God has for your life. Not saying, oh, it'll come 30 years or 40 years when, when I don't work anymore and I can, you know, full time and I'll travel on the world and, and, I'll, and I'll be in a jet. No, that's not ministry. The day you got saved, you came into a ministry. All right, all right, amen. All right, let's, let's get going. So, you know, and one of the things I like about ministry, and I teach, I'm going to teach about this, and that is, is that really it's not about titles, it's about function. So you don't have to have a, a title. You don't have to have a big title. Now, the Bible mentions it here in Ephesians 4. He says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are titles. Those are offices. He, get, he names those. But ultimately, he says those really are designed to equip other people for their ministry. And so it's not about titles. If you're waiting for a title, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you have to create a title for yourself, good luck. Because, you know, you're not going to have really that much of a ministry. But it's not about titles. It's about function. You know, the word that describes ministry, the one word that probably could define, define ministry the, the most clear is serving. Serving defines ministry. Didn't Jesus say that? I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister and give myself as a my life is a ransom for many. Serving. Jesus was about, I like what T.F. Tenney used to say, that Jesus was about towels, not titles. Jesus was about towels, not titles. Serving. Why? Because Jesus was about people. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to move in the gifts without exercising love. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to, to, to um, move in the gifts and have hate in our heart or unforgiveness or, or that we are better than Jesus. Come on, if Jesus was into towels... We're into serving. If Jesus came as a servant, we need to approach things as a servant. Come on, somebody, amen? That if Jesus came to serve and not to be ministered to all the time, and what he could get out of it, how many know that's what we need to, that's the, that's the perspective that we need. And so that's what I'm talking about, ministry, the ministry. And so this is building up the church. So our desire for the gifts should never go beyond our desire for loving people. And I just want to throw this couple things that I've learned over the years about ministry. Is that running after a gift will cause you to stumble into pride. Let me say that again. Running after a gift will cause you to stumble into pride. You don't have to run after a gift all the time. Run after Jesus. He's the gift giver. Run after Him. Pursue Him. Pursue a relationship with Him. Pursue ministering over people. Pursue serving others. Preferring other people over yourself. And guess what? A ministry will come. You'll find your ministry. Is that, is that 
I think that's because really, as one of my teachers told me years ago, ministry comes from a life. A life doesn't come from a ministry. Amen. Your ministry will come out of who you are. You don't have to form who you are around a ministry or a title. Come on. Just who you are in Jesus because you're loving people, serving the Lord, moving in the gifts. That'll just produce a ministry. The Bible says, I believe it's in Proverbs, it says that your, your gift will make room for you. Is that right? How many know? That's right. And you see so many people running after this. David was probably one of the greatest ministers in the Old Testament, and yet one of the, the greatest times in his life of ministry was when he was around sheep. And sheep represent people. Amen? Killed Goliath and the bear and the lion and did all, and wrote most of his songs in the wilderness among sheep, among people. And so that's when David saw some of the greatest aspects of his ministry was when he was around other people. When he was just serving and loving other people and other things, right? Is that what the Bible says? He was doing, amen, just keeping his father's sheep. And so I believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are to flow together in the church. They're, they're not to be opposite. They're not to oppose one another. They're not to cause us to fight or argue or cause us division among us. And, and they're not about individuals. I'm going to have my own ministry, so I need to go out here and I need to just, uh, you know, leave the church and I've got to start my own ministry. How many know the gifts should flow with the church? The gifts of the Spirit are meant to flow with the church. All right, that was the long one I'm going to spend time on. Just warning you. Uh, so the second thing is not just the purpose, but the responsibility. The responsibility of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. How many know there's a responsibility in moving in the gifts of the Spirit? There is. And so spiritual gifts uh, really have power and they have influence. That's why we need to be careful. Because spiritual gifts have power. They have influence over people. That's why... We need to be careful. And like every hero knows, with great power comes great responsibility. How many know every hero knows that, right? Right? Great power comes great responsibility. Is that right? And uh, notice something in the New Testament that when it came to the New Testament, especially prophecy, there was a change in the credibility and the accountability of the prophetic. There was Because all of a sudden, it wasn't just one man going and hearing from God and speaking. It, all of a sudden, now we are to be more careful. Now we're to hear. Now we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Now all of us have God speaking to us. So there was a new change in the credibility and accountability. There's new processes, new guidelines there. And so one of the things we see that clearly in the New Testament. Why? Because one of the things you have to understand is if you don't understand the responsibility of the gifts of the Spirit, you will hurt others and you'll wreck your faith. If you don't understand, there's a responsibility. How many know you can't just pick up any old heavy box any old way? You can't pick up something any old way. How many know there's a right way and a wrong way to pick something up? And the Bible says that we have talents or we have weights. These are weights. These are responsibilities, talents. And so how many know there's weights in the gifts of the Spirit? There's talents there. You just can't just, oh, I'm just going to just say whatever I want to say. And whatever the Spirit says, I'm going to say. No, there's responsibility there. There's responsibility. You could hurt other people. You could really damage lives. You could wreck your faith. You could do a lot of damage in the church if you don't know how to be responsible with the gifts. Paul said this, that when we don't move in the gifts right, people will say, you're crazy. In 1 Corinthians 14, he said, you don't just speak in tongues and just babble, you know, yell, speaking in tongues all over the church and everybody speaks in tongues at the same time because somebody comes in and he says, it doesn't know the Lord, they're going to say, you're nuts. 
Is that what he said? Come on, 1 Corinthians 14, read it. That's what he said. They're going to say you're crazy. So you've got to have response. It's got to be a response. There's a responsibility there, isn't it? And so I believe that what has really hurt the church over the years is when people are reckless and careless in the name of being led by the Spirit. And so we've got to be careful, don't we? See, notice something. We speak for God, not as God. I mean, that's a difference. And so we've got to be... So keep this in mind, that all the warnings... In the New Testament, all the warnings in the end times about, about the Antichrist, guess what they're about? Prophecy and teaching. He warns us, he said, watch out for what? False prophets and false teachers. It comes through prophecy and teaching. That's why we've got to be very careful about it, don't we? You can't, you can't just believe everything you hear, just can't speak anything you think. We've got to be responsible. And so that's a very important principle, isn't it? Biblical prophecy is really about declaring the word of the Lord. It's a matter of really revealing God's heart more than it is about predictions. And so we see that in the New Testament about Bible prophecy. It's about revealing God's heart. Read it here in 1 Corinthians 14. It's really about that. And so I I just think this, I want to put this out there, is because of our influence and our online presence today in this culture, in this day, we need to rethink or really evaluate the way we do public prophecy. Amen? Is that right? And preaching as well. But we've got to rethink, we've got to think about it. You can't just kind of say anything you want to. How many know that? You're, people will hate you or your video will go viral. Either way, you've got to be careful. Amen? So, and I believe that there's always a temptation to, to say what people want to hear. I mean, that's one of the temptations of the gifts of the Spirit. It's one of the things, those of you who moved in prophecy and saying, you know, in the Old Testament we see that. Tell us what we want to hear. Give us a word. Make it feel better. How many know they came to, the children of Israel came to Aaron and they said, give us a God that we can worship. We're waiting for Moses here. How many know listening to people is always a temptation? Being controlled by what people think is always a temptation when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Always being men pleasers, as the Bible teaches us. And I'm going to hurry along here. But I believe that this principle, if we grow overconfident in our gift, we may speak beyond the measure granted to us. So you don't get overconfident in the gift. That's why the Bible says we you know, really need to walk humbly before our God, right? Amen? So here's what I want to throw out. Developing your core is more important than your gift. What I mean by that? Developing your relationship with the Lord every day. Prayer, the Word. How many know the more that you're in the Word, the more God can speak to you? And the more God can speak to you, the clearer your gift can become. So stay in the Word. Work on developing your core. Um, someone said, well, I'm just, I'm working on practicing prophecy all the time. Well, are you practicing the presence of the Lord? Are you practicing humbling yourself? Are you practicing loving others? Are you practicing forgiveness? Because how many of those, those those things are important too, right? Amen. So relationships and commitment and time, these are all important when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Um, And so let me just go into this third phase in in a hurry here, but, um, and let me just throw this out before I go to the next one, is that your gift will never be greater than your knowledge of God. You can't say that I have a gift of prophecy that goes beyond the Bible. I've got a new revelation that's not in the Scriptures. How many know that's not prophecy? That's not the spirit of prophecy. Because the Bible says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And Jesus would never speak beyond what He already said. He said, what I said is good. If anybody adds to it, takes away, don't listen to Him. Right? So, so it'll never go beyond our knowledge of God. It'll no, never go beyond your love of other people. And it'll never go above and beyond your obedience to God. Your gift will never take you outside of obedience to God. 
oh, I don't have to obey God now because I'm so gifted. How many know that doesn't work with the Lord? You know why? Because Jesus never practiced that, did he? Jesus said, whatever my Father says, I speak. Whatever he's saying, I'm listening and I'm going to speak. How many know Jesus showed us how to do it? Amen. And so anytime someone says, I've got a new revelation that's not in the scriptures. I wrote a new Bible last night. You need to say, what did you have for dinner? We're going to talk about it and think about it. And then we'll take it maybe to the transfer station. And then a garbage can. All right. So we see our, the purpose of the gifts. We see the responsibilities. And then we see something here in 1 Corinthians 14. And this go a little quicker. And that is the guidelines. There's guidelines. He says, uh, and I believe here, here's some things, is that gifts are to be desired, not worshipped. How many know that's a guideline? Uh, gifts are to be developed, not neglected. And gifts are to serve others, not abuse others. So those are some things we see here, and Paul teaches those things. Jesus showed us that. So and I want to say this, to ensure that the gifts will glorify God, build the church, and keep in step with the Word of God, there has to be guidelines. Paul began to teach us here, and I'm going to go over these real quick, some guidelines. And so Paul's guidelines for the gifts of the Spirit, just a lot of these were found in 1 Corinthians 14. Number one, he said this, is that there needs to be interpreter with tongues. He said when you're speaking in tongues, he said nobody will understand what you're saying. Therefore you speaking to God, they edify you. Jude says they build up yourself and your most holy faith. He said they don't do much for other people. I'd rather speak five words in English and mean something than a thousand words in speaking in tongues because it won't do anybody good. How many know the Bible says that's for us? That's for when we're praying the Lord, not in public. People won't understand. They'll think you're crazy. They won't understand what you're saying unless there's an interpreter. And the Bible says in verse 6 through 19, it talks about this and also verse 27. Also, here's another guideline. Prophecy needs to be judged. In verse 29, he says two or three people can prophesy, but it also needs to be judged. Again, that was never happened in the Old Testament. Right? That's one, of the, that's one of the things that's changed in the New Testament. Prophecy needs to be judged. Why? Because I have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God. Now, if anybody prophesies that doesn't have the Spirit of God, you, you, and me know it's not the Spirit of God. He did this so we can build the church. So we can tell in the direction we're going is good. In the direction we're going is great. That's God. That's not of God. How many know what I'm talking about? Prophecy in the Old Testament a lot of times was to reveal the vile and the pure or the holy and the unholy. And so he's done that in our, our hearts today. Is that right? Everybody with me? So if I have the Spirit of God and you have the Spirit of God in us and someone prophesies that says that Jesus is never coming back and he died and he never was rose from again, how many know we can, there's something inside the witnesses that says, no, that's not true. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to live my life according to that. And I'm not going to trust that. See what I'm saying? So we have the Spirit of God. That's why he says prophecy needs to be judged. That's one of the things in the New Testament. I'm going to move faster. Um, also, he says this in verse 40. Let everything be done in decent and in order. Let it be done decently and in order. People were in 1 Corinthians, in the Corinthian church, they were prophesying at the same time. Everybody was jumping up out of the seat. and Everything was a little nuts. He said these be decent and in order. And he said the, the gift of the prophet is subject to the prophet, right? That means you can wait. You can wait your turn. You can wait till tomorrow. You can wait till next week. You can wait till next year. I've heard people say, God gave me this five years ago. How many know you can wait? Right? Oh, I'm just burning. I just need to shout it out during the preaching. You can wait. All right, you can wait. And so um, the other thing is verse 38, 37 and 38, also in 1 John 2, 19, being recognized. 
being recognized as somebody that is actually has the gift of prophecy, being recognized by the leaders in the church or by others that you do prophesy and that you have the gift of prophecy. That's important, isn't it, to be recognized. There were certain people in the church that were recognized. And so when it came to a council meeting and came to some other things in the book of Acts, they called on certain people because they were recognized. They were the ones recognized. And so in prophecy, verse 37 and 38, Paul said, if you're not recognized, you're not recognized. <laughs> By the church, and so it's important. In 1 Thessalonians, it teaches us to prove all things. Despise not prophesying. In verse 20, 21, prove all things. How many know prophecy needs to be proven? Prophecy needs to be proven. It's great to hear you're going to be a millionaire, but how many know that needs to be proven? Still holding on to that one, but anyways. And that was a self-proclaimed prophecy, by the way. All right. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Break it up a little. And uh, have love for others. The Bible says this is a guideline. You've got to have love for other people. Because your prophecy, you, can, you, could, you could prophesy all kinds of things in 1 Corinthians 13, it says. But if you don't have love for other people. How many know that's a guideline? Come on, that's a guideline. Jesus had compassion and healed everybody. That's what the Bible says. And so we need to test the spirits. That's another guideline. 1 John 4, 1. Test the spirits. See if they're of Christ. See if they're recognizing that Jesus is Lord. See if they're witnessing of, of the Word of God. See if they're, come on, is that right? Anybody? So you can, you can say, I'm testing the spirits. People want to understand what you're talking about, but it's all right. It's biblical. That's what I love about the King James. You can say stuff people don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, accountability. In Galatians chapter 2 and Acts 15, Paul was accountable to the council at Jerusalem. He submitted to the council at Jerusalem. This is so popular. This is great. Guidelines. And then the last one I just want to share. There's many others. Just want to share. Is unity, not division. This is a guideline. In James, he said there's wars among you. Rumors of wars. You guys are fighting amongst yourself. This isn't good. How many know the guideline is, is that we can't say things that cause division? Is that right? We, we have to have unity. So a guideline in the church to move in the gifts is, is your gift, is that bringing unity in the body or are you dividing the body of Christ? There are actually people that have prophesied people out of their marriage. Christian marriage. Oh, Pastor Wayne knows. We, we've heard of them. I mean, seriously. You either were prophesied in the church as a member or prophesied out of the church, prophesied into a marriage or prophesied out of your marriage. I mean, no, that's not the Spirit of God. That's weird. Don't even go to that church. It's not even open. But how do we know if we stood up and someone said, and they began to move in the gifts and said, Jesus is putting this kind of people over here and these kind of people over here, and you're better than those, and you're better here, and that, how many know any kind of division is not of Christ? And so he said we need to have union. And so here, as Paul gave guidelines, so in our church we have guidelines. Let me just share a couple of guidelines in our church when it comes to Prophecy. When it comes to prophecy and speaking in tongues, obviously we want you to wait your turn. We want you to have an interpreter. If, as, as Paul says, all the things that I named here, that's pretty much our guidelines. We can just say ditto. That's what we believe. And, and elders, we, we agree to that. But here's some of our guidelines that we need to submit your prophecy or your dreams to a leader before you give that word. It's so important that you submit your word, you submit that prophecy. You know, the leaders here and the elders will actually call or text or even talk to me and say, I just want to submit this. How many know our leaders are good examples, right? And so we do that. We just submit any prophecy. We just say, if I have a prophecy for somebody, if I have a dream or a vision, especially if it's a directive or it's specific towards something, we need to submit that to a leader and submit that before we give it. Also, we need to ask questions. One of our guidelines is ask 
questions and report any questionable situations. If someone comes up to you and gives you a, a really troubling word or something that you don't understand, or maybe it's just really bad, um, we've had people give, you know, we, we've said, look, you've got to just tell us. We don't know everything. You've got to just report questionable situations. If you see somebody, you know, kind of being sneaky and, and pulling somebody downstairs in a closet to give them a prophecy, we need to know about that. First of all, because we'll unlock the door and let them out. Second of all, is that we've got to judge that thing. Is that right? How many love protection and security? I love it when we're in a secure place. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants a church that's healthy and secure. And it's nothing healthy to put guidelines on the gifts of the Spirit. Well, it's the Spirit of God. How can you put guidelines on the Spirit? Paul did. I will. Right? Amen. So that's that. you can, can't you? Why? Because they flow through vessels and we certainly can have guidelines for people. Amen. And so I want to say a couple other things is that we recognize people for directive or corrective prophetic words. There's certain people in our church that we, we recognize them to give those words. If you're somebody that really doesn't have that place or that authority, you know, you don't go around giving people corrective words if you don't have a relationship with them, if you're not in leadership. That's, that's for leaders to give corrective words. So, so if you feel a corrective word for somebody, you've got to submit it to a leader. But there are people that we recognize in the church that they don't have to come up to me and run up to me every two seconds. And tell, we've recognized the gift of prophecy in them, and we trust them and then trust that gift in them. That if they have a corrective word, that they're going to submit it to us, we're going to pray about it. And they're going to give in a very humble, graceful, timely way. Right. So that's one of our guidelines here. Don't use the King James language with new people. That's just one of our guidelines here. Talk so people can understand you. You come up to me and say, thus and thee and thou, I'll get it. Whosoever, whichever, I'll, I'll get it. But you, you come into a church and never been in church before, people aren't going to get it. And how many know, I know a lot of people that just in the name of you moving in the gifts, they offend people and they don't care. How many know we got to care, isn't it, right? And so if we say don't use you know, language that people don't understand, you say it in a way that people can... You don't have to always say, thus saith the Lord. I mean, the Lord's not going to be disappointed in it, and it still can come to pass if you just say, I feel God's saying this, or this is what I'm sensing. What a, come on, there's a way that you can put it, right? Amen, so don't do that. And then, please, nothing secretive or away from the body of Christ. We, we always joke about parking lot prophecies, but it, it's true. Don't wait till somebody gets out in the parking lot to corner them and give them a prophecy or give them a word. Don't do that. All right, don't do it secretive. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it needs to be in front of everybody so it can be judged in front of everybody. Is that right? So, so if you've got something to say, and if it's really from God, it's going to be good. And now if it's personal, I believe there's some things that are very personal, don't need to be said over a mic, don't need to be said in front of tons of people, but how many know they still need to be accountable? So you get what I'm saying. So again, if anybody tries to back you in a corner, just report that and ask questions. Say, you know, I, I didn't get that. I don't understand how it works. I, I feel like somebody missed it. How many know it's good? I, I learned this in Bible school. If you're ministering over somebody who doesn't know the Lord, it's always good to ask questions. Don't act like you know it all. Well, I'm a prophet of God. I know everything. You got two dogs. No, I don't even have a pet. <laughs> so you're totally wrong. So ask questions. Hey, do you have pets? You know. Have you been married before? You know, I mean, things like that. Ask some questions. Are you married now? That's a good question. I've been in service where the two people were standing beside each other, and they were husband and wife over here, husband and wife over here, and because they were standing so close, they started prophesying over those two, weren't even married. They're, they were married, and God's going to use their marriage. And 
And everybody started freaking out, and the pastor had to do a you know, rescue real quick. But uh, so, so ask some questions. It's good to do that, isn't it? <clears throat> and then finally, one of our guidelines here is that it can wait. It can wait. It can, you can write it down. You don't always have to spay it. You can wait. You can wait on your gift. The gift to the prophet is subject to the prophet. It can wait. You say, well, Brother Matt, why do I have to tell somebody first? Why, if it's so God, it's so good, why do I have to do that? It's for the building of the body. We're not here to tear down. We're not here to hurt. We're not here to destroy the body. We're here to build the body. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Yeah. Brother Jeff, might as well take the shortcut. <laughs> amen. I didn't let him know what my last point was, but I mean, how many know that sometimes it's okay to talk like this today? You know, I want to just real quick on your feet while the blood's still flowing going to your head again. <clears throat> the impact that we see of the gifts. God told you there's four, and there is the impact. So the impact is that he talks about the gifts of the Spirit are, are so, I mean, I can't even, this literally would be a whole other message. It's impact. Number one, it's maturity. Number two, it's mission. The impact of maturity is amazing. He said this, till we all come into the unity of the faith, into the fullness of the measure, into what Jesus is doing in our midst. How many of that's powerful, isn't it? That's one of the things that's been so impactful is that when Jesus is seen, when Jesus' character starts to come out, how many know there's forgiveness? There's, there's this love, there's unity, there's healing. There's, you know, when Jesus was around, he just didn't have to try too hard. He was the healer. He was the shepherd. Come on, he was the ancient of days. He was the alpha and omega. He was the beginning and the end. I mean, he just, it was just coming out of him. The love of the Father was just coming out. How many know what I'm talking about? And as we began to, to learn and walk in these things, the impact of our witness, the impact of our families, the impact of our marriage, the impact of our relationship with the Lord is amazing. When we want to desire to grow up in the things of God and grow in our gifts and grow in these things, maturity is so amazing because then Jesus is seen. Then Jesus is glorified. That's what's so amazing about it. Body, soul, and spirit, the gifts and character, all these things, maturity. And then lastly, the impact is the mission. See, the mission is really to glorify God. And when, when this is so amazing, when we glorify God, other people can glorify God. How many of that's true mission? Is that true mission? Matthew 5 says this, is that when we, people see our good works, they will begin to glorify God. We don't have to force them to come to church. We don't have to force them, raise your hands and praise God right now. No, they will start to glorify God on their own because our lives glorify God. When our lives glorify the mission and God, when we lift up, listen, in John 17, Jesus began to pray for the disciples and he prayed for them to be one. And he said this, that they may be perfect, made perfect in one. That the world might know that you sent me and that the Father loves them. How many of that's impact, isn't it? When the world around us knows when we're one, when we can build the body, we can come together as the church and function as the church, the world will see Jesus. That is the ultimate mission, isn't it? To glorify God, to have Him seen, to have people hear about the gospel in such an awesome way. 1 Corinthians 14, the end of this, the very end of prophecy, talks about speaking in tongues and prophecy, and he says the true impact of prophecy is this, when people come in and they don't know Jesus, and prophecy begins to flow the way the Bible teaches us it should, hearts are revealed, the Bible says. They're convicted. The Bible says that they're, 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 they're revealed, the hearts are revealed, and, and they'll say that God is among you. Of a truth. God is here. How many of that's one of the greatest things that we could have ever said when we came to church? God is here. 
God isn't here because we have the, the, the worship going at a high level, the lights, the smoke, whatever. God isn't here because of that. God is here because of us, because we are the body of Christ, because we are ministering to one another. Is that right? Amen. Because we're open to the moving of His Spirit. That's why. And people will say God is here because when they walk in the doors, they don't feel resistance. They feel love. They feel welcome. They feel like we are so glad you're here. We want you to experience God today. We're not saying, well, you don't have a, a, a tire on, you don't have this, and you don't have that. Where are your credentials in God? No, we're saying, look, God loves you and so do we. And when people come in and they feel that and they sense that, there's an opening to the Spirit of God. And prophecy begins to flow, and that's the impact. Their heart is revealed. They, the Bible says they fall down their knees. They're convicted and convinced that God is among you. God is real. How many know, I would love to, for my neighbors to say, God is real. I would love for people walking up and down the street to come in and say, God is real because of what I see here, because of what I feel here, what I sense here, what I see in the lives of other people. So it's our impact. And let me just say this in closing, is that the mission is more important than the gift. Someone said, well, no, it's about the gifts. It's about the gifts. It's all about prophecy. We need to speak in tongues more. We need to do this. Listen, i I got to be honest with you, folks. I would rather see a soul saved than anybody speak in tongues in church. You say, I'm not against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, for anybody to get up here and just pray in spirit and and give all these things, I would rather see the soul, because that's the greater miracle. That's what we have the gifts for, is for the mission. Is anybody listening? So I'd rather see the mission accomplished than than my gift flowing. I'd rather, come on, I'd rather see the mission accomplished. I'd rather see that. So the mission is more important than the gift, but God gave gifts to help in the mission. So we've got to have them, don't we? Amen. We've got to have them to move in the mission that Jesus called us to. So now we see the purpose. We see the responsibility. We see the guidelines. And we see the impact. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we just thank you so much for your spirit. We thank you so much for the moving of your spirit among us, God. It's so precious. It's so amazing. It overwhelms us. We don't want to take it for granted, Lord. But we desire spiritual gifts so that the church could be built up. Not for me. Not that I could have a ministry. Not that we could show off or be better than it and put people in categories. But God, that we could see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this city grow stronger, grow bigger, grow grow greater and stronger in Jesus' name. That's what it's about. It is about numerical growth. It is about spiritual growth. It is about emotional growth, God. And we thank you, Lord, today that you're teaching us, Lord, to move in the gifts so that the church could be built up, so that, Lord, you could have a glorious church. In Jesus' name, amen.